0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Khawaja.
2: I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast.
1: This is the Unplayable Podcast. In this week's episode, we chat to cricket.com.au women's editor Laura Jolly, who is in the Caribbean with the Australians ahead of their Women's World T20 semifinal clash with the West Indies. But we start with the big news that the sanctions handed down to Steve Smith, David Warner and Cameron Bancroft for their involvement in the Cape Town ball tampering scandal will be upheld. Here to talk through that is cricket.com.au senior writer Andrew Ramsey and Rambo. What are the key points to take away from today's announcement?
2: Uh, I think the the main point is uh, no change. Um, the submission that was lodged by the ACA uh, citing what they claim was new evidence contained in the, the culture review that was released uh, last month um, pointed to reason to have the The penalties revisited and and in the ACA's view that the ban should be lifted immediately so they all three could go back and play but uh, in the last 24 hours the boards met and uh, considered that submission in detail and discussed it at some length and uh, come to the conclusion that they can't find any reason why the the bans as they stand should be altered uh, and pointed to the fact that there's no recommendations within the the ethics centre review that the ACA pointed to that um, provides or that, that directly addresses the the cause of the, the bans that were handed down. So um, in the absence of that material and what they clearly have thought that if there is new evidence it doesn't stack up, then uh, they've decided that the status quo is maintained and the bans, nine months for Cameron Bancroft, 12 months each for Steve Smith and David Warner will stay in place.
1: What's the new evidence that the ACA are referring to? And it was, you know, the see, Cricket Australia Board took this consideration you know, very highly. They, they, they uh, took a long time to deliberate this and they um, certainly didn't muck around with this Rambo, but what was the new evidence that, that the ACA were referring to?
2: Uh, well, according to, I haven't seen the ACA submission, um, but according to the ACA President Greg Dyer, who spoke the day after the the Culture Review was released, Um, the the finding that was within that report that there was this culture that had developed within Cricket Australia um, that had then affected the way that the team played. They had, according to the the report, the men's team had adopted this, um, not so much a win-at-all-costs mentality, but this win-without-counting-the-cost philosophy, um, which could be partly... Uh, not wholly sheeted back to the the culture that had taken root within the CA um, so the the ACA pointed to that as mitigation. they claimed that uh, if that was the r- culture that was permeating through to the team, then um, that was new evidence that they the actions that took place in Cape Town were uh, you know, could be traced back to that instance or those instances um therefore that was enough to have the the whole case revisited and the penalties um they didn't just want them i think that their starting point was that the penalty should be just lifted straight away so um whether there was other measures they were prepared to to uh, look at in that submission i'm not sure but their starting point was certainly um the ban should be lifted this is new evidence um and therefore that that's Casts a shadow over the, the decision that was made by the board back in March.
1: So. Right. Well, this is a, a unanimous decision by the CA board, Rambo, and they also said that they're not going to look at it again. So what are the next steps uh, now? Is this the end of, the, of what we're going to hear about the, the sanctions handed down by Cricket Australia to these three players? Bancroft comes back in a little over a month, and the, uh, the two leaders, Smith and Warner, uh, at the end of March... The ACA, the ACA said they were going to be relentless in their pursuit of this. Now they've hit that first hurdle. What's the next step for them?
2: Um, It's an interesting question, Sam, and I'm not sure I know what the answer is. Uh, If the board have indicated they don't intend to um, look at this or take on board any further submissions, um, then you'd have to think that that line of appeal is is defunct. Um, Whether that leads to, you know. Legal action. I don't know what grounds, I'm no lawyer. Uh, whether they uh, look at mounting a sort of public campaign, I don't know that they certainly did say they would be relentless until the bans are overturned. Um, the only well, the issue that seems to loom large is that so much time has elapsed now, and as you say, Cameron Bancroft's ban is almost up. So any sort of moves to get him back and playing earlier would probably not reduce the length of the band by much at all and it's only an extra three months for uh, Steve Smith and David Warner I say only three months, that's a long time when you're in the middle of the summer of cricket But um, so I'm not really sure what, they, what their next move will be they haven't responded to today's decision publicly, I'm sure they will uh, make an announcement or have a media conference sometime in the next 24, 48 hours um, but the other thing is that the, that review was not you know, it, it wasn't Re investigating this incident, it was uh, a series of opinions from people as to how they perceive the organisation and how they've, people within the organisation, people outside the organisation. So the, none of this is sort of tested legal document. It's not like people have made claims and they've been scrutinised and witnesses have been spoken to. So it's not new evidence as you'd understand it in a, in a legal framework. So, um, I think the board looking at that, thought there wasn't sufficient there to to pursue or uphold the the submission Um, and they are keen to get back to a a better working relationship with the ACA. They have thanked the ACA for making the submission and said, as you say, they took it very seriously and studied it very closely. Um, That's the decision they've come to and I think they're meeting with members of the ACA in in coming weeks to try and rebuild that relationship that the ethics review port had found as pretty fractious at the moment, Um, but uh, whether the ACA takes another step toward trying to get them back in the remaining few months, I guess we just have to wait and see.
1: And I think one thing that maybe is overlooked a little bit, especially by um, the general public who probably don't know the ins and outs of the story quite like we do, Rambo, is that uh, these guys haven't been banned for 12 months or nine months in Bancroft's case. Uh, for tampering with the ball. They were done for you know, actions that were contrary to the spirit of the game, for bringing the game into disrepute, harmful um, harmful interests of the game of cricket, and um, actions unbecoming of a representative or official of Cricket Australia. So while it might seem extreme for, ban- uh, for ball tampering, um, it's not actually the case. They weren't done for ball tampering. The ICC suspended those players, suspended Smith for a test match for ball tampering, but uh, Cricket Australia sanctions were for... Bringing the game into disrepute and uh, actions contrary to the spirit of the game.
2: And that's right. And that's generally got an airing again when the South Africans were here in Australia just the last couple of weeks because obviously Faf Duplessis has been done a couple of times for his role in changing the condition of the ball. And people say, well, he's been found guilty of that and never had to suffer anything like these sorts of consequences. But as you point out, the ICC, Decided immediately after the Cape Town test that Steve Smith would be fined or 100% of his match fee and banned for a test for uh, Basically breaching the spirit of cricket and that Cameron Bancroft was fined 75% of his match fee for His actions in changing the ball and and they were the the ball tampering fines if if you like Um, So they stack up alongside what other people have been handed for for the similar sorts of offenses what, the, what Cricket Australia then decided was that they looked at the reputational damage that the, the incident had on the, uh, the organisation, on the sport in Australia. The, I don't think you could argue that it hasn't had a significant effect given the amount of publicity it's had. the number of times you've seen that bit of footage um, from on the ground at Newlands. So um, yeah, they're two separate things relating to the same incident. Um, and it's, uh, there's been a bit of confusion there. So hopefully we've cleared that up.
1: Hopefully, Rambo, what's next for these three players? Speaking of Adam Voges, last week on this very show, he said that he can't wait to have Bancroft back uh, in the Scorchers set up to play that December 30 game against the Hobart Hurricanes in Launceston. Meanwhile, Smith and Warner, they've got a couple of months left to go. So they're looking like an IPL return, maybe. Um, There's whispers of a of an A tour or a, a second-11 tour that precedes the World Cup um, in late March, early April next year. I guess until then, they'll just be continuing what they've been doing and playing great cricket for their respective clubs. And then the Bangladesh Premier League is on in the new year. So I guess that's probably what those players will be doing between now and then.
2: Yeah, and they're all still, in addition to their their grade cricket commitments that they've got, um, they're still doing their community work. I know that uh, David Warner was involved in a coaching clinic here in South Australia. Not that long ago, um, they're sort of quietly going about that work and getting a lot of very positive feedback for the, the impact that's having and the, the hours they're putting in. So um, it's not like they're uh, sitting at home stewing. I'm sure they're spending a bit of time doing that, but they are getting out and having, playing some cricket, being in and around the game, talking to people, um, you know, rebuilding some of the, the faith and the trust. Um, but in terms of high level competition it looks like as you say the IPL seeing that's brought forward because of next year's World Cup it blooms is their their first big chance um, to play some elite level cricket uh, whether that's sufficient to um, prepare them for a, a World Cup or for selection for a World Cup and then the Ashes tour that follows I guess we won't know until they hit the ground and the other interesting thing would be the sort of reception that they get when they come back Cameron Bancroft will be the test case given that he's Back before the others, but interesting to see how it's viewed by the the public here in Australia. If the the mood swung since Cape Town, so uh, all sorts of conundra, Whether that's the plural or not, I don't know. But they uh, they loom large ahead of us.
1: Absolutely. Does your research team do grammar and punctuation and all that stuff as well, Rambo? Sorry, the Did research team. The research oh, team. All
2: about then. <laughs> well, I think they've moved on to uh, bigger and better things. Um, I'm glad that you ask. I gather that people with that level of mathematical genius, I think the last I heard, uh, some of them are working for counting numbers for the um, uh, various factions within the federal coalition, so good luck to them, they've good. done
1: well. Well, we actually have some breaking news, it's not about the research team, but the ACA have uh, responded to CA's decision regarding the player sanctions. Um, and basically, the matter's closed now. The last line of their press release says, the ACA has done all it could in support of our submission and now considers the matter closed. Um, they also put in there that they regards the CA's decision as disappointing. Um, so I guess this might be the end of it, Rambo. Is this the, the final act of this uh, ball-tempering uh, scandal until they, the players return on the field uh, in uh, domestic cricket in Australia or, or indeed international colours?
2: Ah, well, you know, I didn't realize this was a breaking news sort of show. I should have. Hasn't it evolved since I was last?
1: I know. It's almost like it's live.
2: Know. It is. Um, and I'm learning things as we go. So I think that's probably understandable in a way. So, like I said, I didn't know what the next step was going to be. But um, in some ways, probably not a bad result. I mean, I think people just have to move on and um, accept this is going to run its course. Um, the, the ACA are doing what they you know, are meant to do. But. Represent the interests of the players. Um, they now acknowledge that they've sort of done that through the channels that were available to them. Um, if they don't see any way forward, then it's probably best that yeah, everyone just gets on with it. Uh, and we will wait for the for the calendar to tick by, and they come back and play, and hopefully play very
1: well. Well, that's all wrapped up very nicely, hasn't it? Thank you very much for your time, Andrew. <laughs> Pleasure with that, Sam. Here's a reaction to the news from Australia's T20 captain Aaron Finch
2: it would have been great to see the guys playing some domestic cricket in the back half of the season but we've got to respect CA's decision on that and, and for the original band to stand so um, yeah like I said it would have been great for, for, the, for Davey and Steve also um, obviously with Cam coming back shortly but yeah respect the decision um, and just got to move on now
1: Laura Jolly, our intrepid reporter over there in the Caribbean for the World T20, is joining us now from Antigua. And the first question we've got for you, Laura, is how is Alyssa Healy? She suffered that mild concussion uh, against India, but how is she shaping up for the semi-final against the West Indies?
0: So far, it's all going really well for Midge. Um, I spoke to the team doctor, Pip, yesterday, and she said Pip had woken, um, she'd woken up a lot brighter on Sunday morning. She's apparently got quite the black eye but she's been feeling a lot better. And the great news is that today she went for a bit of a run and apparently felt great afterwards. So that means she's tracking really well, and tomorrow she's going to undergo some light skills, a bit of few throwdowns, a bit of remedial keeping when the Aussies have their training session, and hopefully that keeps her on track to play on Thursday.
1: All right, so uh, LJF... Midge doesn't play Felicity Healy doesn't play what's the team going to look like in that that batting innings they put Elise Villani uh, up to open the innings along with Beth Mooney unfortunately they've got Beth Mooney in the side as a a spare keeper who's a fantastic keeper for the Brisbane Heat in Queensland Uh, what's the side going to look like who do they bring in if Healy is out is it uh, Jess Johnson, the all rounder or do they bring Nicole Bolton in the spare batter
0: I definitely will definitely see Villani opening if Midge isn't there. She's just so experienced in that role and she fits the bill for the aggressive sort of player they want to have at the top of the order. But that replacement would be a huge decision. And I think given that Midge has been scoring all the runs so far, um, none of the other Australian batters have looked comfortable, comfortable as consistently as she has or been able to score as consistently as she has. So I think they, they might need to consider bringing in Bolton just to bolster up that middle order. Um, otherwise it's a big decision about the bowling attack and I think they'll probably have to wait and see what the conditions look like before making that call because I know they're also pretty keen to get Georgia Wareham into that 11 so that they have that leg-spinning option.
1: Right, so Australia were cruising. There were three from three. They suffered that loss to India in that final group stage match which relegated them to second place. They're going to face the West Indies in that first semi-final. L uh, LJ... In a weird way, was the loss a good thing? The Aussies had won 13 in a row up to that point and, you know, you're always uh, one uh, one match close to a loss after winning so many. So in a weird way, is it good to get it out of the system now ahead of these knockout games?
0: Yeah, I think so. And as Matthew Mott said, if they were going to have a bad day, it's much better to have it then when they're already in the semis than to have it in the semi itself. Um, I also think that they've played a New Zealand team which probably isn't as good as it has been in recent years and then they played Pakistan who's one of the lowest ranked teams in the competition. They they probably haven't had a chance to test themselves against one of the front runners um, in the last few months so it was a really good wake-up call I think for them against India and now they know the standard they're going to have to play in if they want to win this big semi-final against the West Indies.
1: You touched on Alyssa Healy. She's been scoring all the runs and facing all the deliveries at the top of the order. Uh, what is the batting order looking like? Because they haven't had a lot of time in the middle. Meg is the best batter in the world, but she's been starved of the strike.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, they certainly got a, a bit of a look at it against India, and unfortunately none of them were really able to get going except for Elise Perry, who looked like she really valued some rare time in the middle. And I think Rachel Haynes has been quite impressive when she hasn't gotten a go. Any time she's been thrown an opportunity, she seems to just be able to get going straight away and just score really freely, unlike a few of the other batters who've probably struggled to get going. And um, hopefully we see Meg score some runs in the semi-final.
1: Now, uh, you always learn more from your losses than your win. I think that's a saying, LJ, not that I've ever played any sort of high-level competitive sport. But what do you think the Aussies learnt from that loss against India?
0: Well, I think we heard a bit made on the commentary about the bowling, but I think they actually did pretty well to rein it back in and, um, and to keep themselves together when India did look like they might be heading for a total around 190 or 200. They kept them to 167, and it was definitely a chaseable score. But the batting turned out to be a really big problem. So I think that's the biggest learning they need to take away from it, um, especially without Healy giving them a really fast start, as she did in the other three matches. Uh, they struggle to rotate the strike, they weren't picking off the boundary balls every over and they looked really flat. So given how well the Windies have been bowling and fielding, I think they've learnt a bit about how they need to approach their batting innings going forward.
1: You never want to come off a loss, uh, LJ, but what's the team mood around in the camp leading up to this semi-final? I mean, they they got knocked out against the West Indies. They lost the final in 2016, so I'm guessing there's going to be a bit of a revenge factor in this game, but what's the mood like around the camp?
0: I think they're still pretty upbeat. The good thing about this Australian team is that they're not one to get too down over a loss when they've already got a place in the semi-finals. They're, They're pretty good at taking away the lessons they need to take away, but also just brushing themselves off and staying confident going into the next match. They all seem pretty upbeat. Matthew Mott cracked a couple of jokes with us after the match at his press conference. And I know they're still confident. They still think they've got the team that can win this whole tournament. And I think also those players who were there in 2016 are still really hurting about that loss and are very fired up to try and uh, knock the Windies out on their home turf this time around.
1: So all the games uh, previously have been in Guyana. We're in Antigua now. Uh, what are the conditions expected for the semifinals?
0: Uh, it's probably a bit of a mystery for everyone, to be honest. Um, Australia's never played at servier Richards Stadium before, but I've spoken to Matthew Mott and Mel Jones, who, who knows a lot about the wickets here from their work with the CPL, and they expect the conditions to be completely different from Guyana, which is very low and slow. This one should hopefully provide a bit more assistance to the batting teams, have a bit more pace and bounce too for the bowlers, But the the tough thing for Australia is going to be how quickly they can adapt to that change after all these matches in Guyana. And before that, they were playing in Kuala Lumpur, which had quite similar conditions as well. They've only got one training session at the ground before Thursday, and they're coming up against West Indies team who are on their home turf and who also had an exhibition match at the Rich Stadium just a few weeks ago against England.
1: Right, and is that going to change the way the Australians um, decide their 11, LJ? If you're saying it's going to be probably more friendly for the batters and pace bowls. Does Taylor Vomenic get in the side? Does she retain her spot? Or do you think they're going to try and squeeze Wareham, the leg spinner in?
0: They definitely want Wareham in that team. I think they really see her as the next factor who's capable of picking up a big wicket at a big moment. And they always like to have that leggy option. But I do have a feeling that they maybe gave Taylor that, that first match against India when a spot in the final was already assured just to let her get the nerves out of the way, get the debut out of the way. So if she does get... Thrown a spot in a big playoff match, she's hopefully got the confidence to come in and, and execute what we know she can do.
1: What about the players to watch, LJ? Let's start with the Aussies. Um, who do you think is going to have a big game? We haven't seen a lot of Meg Lanning this uh, this tournament. She's such a dangerous player, uh, and there's so many match winners in the Australian team. Who's one player do you think's due for a big game against the Windies?
0: I think Meg's definitely due. Um, nothing's a bit nothing scarier than a Meg who's gone out cheaply a couple of times in a row. <laughs> She generally comes up very fired out and um, ready to just tear apart a bowling attack. And she said she's been pretty disappointed with herself after the India game. She's not happy with getting out cheaply, but she does think she's in pretty good nick. So if there's ever a time for her to go big, it'll be this game when there's a spot in the final on the line.
1: And what about the Windies, the hosts? A number of their players play in the Rebel Women's Big Bash League, but who's one player you think might cause the Aussies a bit of extra trouble?
0: I think Deandra Dalton's looking really scary at the moment. She's in some seriously good form um, with the ball and the bat. She took 5-for-5 against Bangladesh. She scored uh, 49-46 in their last two games. And um, she's currently the tournament-leading wicket taker, so they're going to have to really watch out for her. Plus, uh, Hayley Matthews recently unveiled as a Hurricanes international for this season. She was in brilliant form the other night when she hit a really fast 50 against Sri Lanka. And a bowler we probably haven't heard as much about, Selena Selman, has looked really threatening in the first few overs with the ball.
1: All right. They're the players to watch out for. So where's this game going to be won, LJ? Where, what part of the match, what department do you think the team that's going to win is going to dominate the most?
0: I think Australia needs to bat well, and they need to bat better than they've done all tournaments. Uh, the Windy's batting looked a bit shaky at times during the tournament. They only just got that one against England the other day in the last over and they had a couple of let offs there too and they could have lost that match, but they've been absolutely brilliant with the ball and in the field. So if Australia's batters can't get on top of them and score freely and quickly, they're, they're going to struggle. So if they can nail that, that's going to go a long way to winning that game for Australia.
1: And the match is played at the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium and the Aussie players met Viv at the start of the tournament, right? They must be trying to get some inspiration from him. A, a Sir Vivian Richards knock wouldn't go astray in the semifinal.
0: It definitely wouldn't. I've never seen um, seen some of those players so excited as when you've uh, popped your head into training and had a look at the girls. Ash Gardner just dropped her ball, ran out of the net, shouted at us to take some photos and <laughs> ran straight over to him. So um, They were very, very happy to meet him and hopefully they can draw on that a bit for this semi-final.
1: There's another semi-final, of course, uh, England taking on India as an Australian fan. We want both these sides to lose, but there's going to be a winner. Uh, Who do you think is going to take it and get to that final?
0: I've got a feeling that India, even though they're the lower-ranked team, I just think they're on a a massive roll at the moment. They're full of confidence. They beat England in the warm-ups, and they look like they could just steamroll their way all the way to the final here. I'm not completely convinced by England. They're missing a few really key players, with Sarah Taylor and Catherine Brunt not playing this tournament. And they just haven't looked like they've really clicked yet this tournament. They did really well to almost defend that 115 against the Indies. But I think they're looking a little bit shaky and an Indian team full of confidence could just roll straight through them.
1: An Australia-India final. You heard it here first. I like the sound of that. Day gets some revenge against the Windies for 2016 and then the group stage match against India in the final. Sounds good to me. Now, how have you found the tournament as a whole? You would have had all these preconceptions heading over there about the Caribbean and the World C20. Um, Have they met your expectations? Have there been any surprises for you over there?
0: I think it's been fantastic. The the crowds and the locals have been getting right around the tournament. I think in St. Lucia, they've had some huge crowds getting around the Windies. So I'm expecting a very vocal home crowd on Thursday for this semi-final between Australia and the West Indies. Uh, it's been brilliant so far. I've been, It's a bit of a shame we haven't seen any upsets from the lower-ranked teams, but I think we've got a cracking couple of finals coming up, and it, it looks really hard to actually pick a winner out of these four teams.
1: And this is the first Women's World T20 standalone event, LJ. The next one's going to be in 2020 in Australia. Does this give you confidence that um, when it comes to Australian shores, there's going to be big crowds and it's going to be really well supported here in 2020?
0: I definitely hope so. And you know when you've got Australia playing well, the local fans will come out for them. But also India there and India are playing well. You know you get plenty of support for them as well. And I, hopefully the WBBL this year will get some really big crowds and just build a lot of momentum coming into next year's tournament in Australia. And hopefully Australia holds the trophy at that point.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Laura. Uh, great work over there. Uh, you can read all of uh, Laura's reports on cricket.com.au and the CL Live app. Take care, LJ, and we'll uh, hear from you when you get back to Australia. Thanks, Sam. That's it for this week's episode. For fans in Australia, you can watch the Aussies take on the Windies in the Women's World T20 Semi-Final from 7am AEDT on Friday morning on Fox Cricket and the Nine Network with all your news, scores and highlights on cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Tickets are selling fast for the Gillette T20 Series to be played in Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney. Don't miss your chance to watch Vera Kohli take on the Australians so head to cricket.com.au slash tickets or watch all the action on Fox Cricket. The next time you hear from us will be after Australia's first test squad is named and until then stay logged on to cricket.com.au